The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead, The Leadership Connection, and thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to having a lively discussion. Um, I just finished a webinar with um, SoundView Executive Summaries, and and actually I did the webinar with them because they nominated uh, my last book, Winning with Transglobal Leadership, as one of the top 30 best business books for 2013, and I was humbled and honored. And needless to say, I've I've, uh, been um, very engaged with them since. So they just highlighted my other book, which is Optimizing Talent, What Every Leader Needs to Know to Build the Ultimate Workforce. And why I wanted to say something about that was there's been a lot of information about ratings and performance management. And, you know, I did a fair amount of research in my own uh, book, Optimizing Talent, And performance management systems, as they're currently constructed, have zero impact on business performance because we did a major piece of research and we did a major correlation analysis to what were business outcomes at the end of the day. And by business outcomes, I mean, you know, what was their stock price? What was their volatility? um, What were the awards the company had won? uh, What how are they viewed in the marketplace from a uh, leadership and a brand perspective? And all the companies that uh, were in the top quartile of our talent framework and who really had a talent mindset were the best in breed on those elements. And none of them really focused exclusively, uh, well, nobody really focuses exclusively at performance management, but what they didn't do is they focused on less performance management and ratings and more on coaching, setting goals, helping people get better, helping people move towards their career aspirations in the future, and really raising the bar and helping people raise the bar for themselves so that they could be the best that they could be. So I've never been in an organization in my entire life, and I've been working in performance management and putting in place performance management systems for a very long time where somebody gets jazzed about a performance rating number uh, unless they're the top of the performance rating, which most companies narrow that down to 
20, 25%. So basically, when you give somebody a number that's not that top tier number, you've basically demoralized a whole chunk of your workforce. So I, I don't get why people insist that performance ratings have to be part of a performance management system. You have to have some measures, some bars, but it's really about creating an alliance with employees, building relationships with employees, helping people do better in the job that they're doing, and helping people learn the skills so they can move forward in their next job. Whether they stay with you or not, you want an ally going to that next company. You don't want somebody going to the next company trashing your company. Um, So building those relationships are really essential. I've had a lot of shows focusing on that, but I couldn't help um, making these comments today because I also read an article about, you know, the fact that we really have unconscious bias and ratings very often are driven by unconscious bias. You know, somebody's got a good friend. They trust the person. Um, They, you know, have worked with them for a long time. They can count on them. They always get them out of a scrape. So those are the people that get the great ratings, not necessarily the people that uh, really deliver the results or behaving consistent with your values, have the emotional intelligence to cultivate relationships and, and help people grow throughout the organization, which leads me to my guest today. Bob Anderson. Now, I met Bob Anderson, oh, maybe three years back, and uh, actually just fell in love with him because his message was so uh, humanizing and energizing. And we met through a leadership development program where we were both part of the faculty, and it was a lot of fun. And Bob has a great message around emotional intelligence, which I have said before, emotional intelligence, we call it perceptive responsiveness in our book, uh, Winning for Transglobal Leadership, is going to be a critical leadership skill for the 21st century. People are going to need to be able to connect with folks in other parts of the world that are different from them. And they're going to need to be able to try to understand people and ask questions so that they can build relationships and learn more about them. So this is why I invited Bob, who just is back from Panama, which I think is pretty exciting. Bob has a brilliant career. Uh, He's an unconventional type of guy, which I love, and uh, has broken a lot of sort of traditional molds to become the individual that he is and the inspiration that he is to others. So with that, I'd like to welcome Bob Anderson. Thank you for having me, Dr. Sharkey. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's great to have you. And, uh, you know, when you started talking, um, I, you talked a lot in the program that I was with you, and I think it would be great if you shared it with our viewers. Uh, why did you get into emotional intelligence in the first place? I mean, you had a military background and, you know, did some other kinds of things. What, what got you into emotional intelligence? Well, thank you. Wonderful question, the, um, the true tipping point of my curiosity around people performance um, really started when I was quite young. I was a middle-of-the-road student. Uh, the, the average way in which people were taught was not as, uh, oh, exciting for me. And I was always wondering, you know, why I'm having this great life, yet 
I'm not testing well, the SATs weren't great, but yet I went on to quality educations and had great careers in college and in, and in uh, advanced degrees. And I'm thinking, like, why do smart people who aren't supposed to behave in certain ways behave that way? And why other people who, from a standardized testing platform, were saying, well, you know, these people are you know, average, but yet they're living these exciting and, and, and vibrant and loving and passionate and compassionate lives. And I thought to myself, when I was uh, leading men and women in combat, I'm like, why is it some of my technically most astute soldiers crumble under the duress and stress of combat? And then when I was a high school principal, why is it some of our best students testing when other pressures and demands would come in. And so the curiosity came in, really me being more a a, a social scientist looking at the behavior of people and just the pure curiosity of why were some who are labeled most likely to succeed based on their academic success are not emotionally socially successful. And so that led me to a master's degree program. You know, what's so interesting is that story is so similar to mine. I really struggled in, uh, you know, in standardized tests and, um, you know, just didn't fit into that mold at all and then did really well when it was much more around creative stuff and connecting with people. And, you know, I really sometimes question how we, uh, you know, how we do draw out creative minds and creative people as, as they're coming up. Through the right. through the ranks, Absolutely. so 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 you went and got your master's degree, and you studied with uh, uh, Dan Goldman, right? Yeah, I had the opportunity. I was at the Graduate School of Education at Harvard, and had the opportunity to really grab a buffet of course loads, both at the Kennedy School of Government and over at the Business School. And and Dr. Goldman, who now works uh, with the Hay Group and is based out of beautiful Rutgers, New Jersey, at Rutgers University, he was a visiting professor, was working there, and so I had heard about um, this multiple intelligence that was the same time as Dr. Gardner was coming out with his book, The Bell Curve, really knocking on the door of academia saying, hey, gang, um, there are multiple intelligences out there, lest you not be prepared for them. And Dr. Goldman, I sat in a, in a conversation with him, and he was talking about a new book he was coming out with, simply titled Emotional Intelligence, Why EQ Can Matter More Than... IQ. IQ. Yeah. Yes, and, and it piqued my and it piqued my curiosity because I'm, I was thinking to myself, this gentleman, this sage, this wise human being is talking about me because he said, "Hey, gang," and I, I softly quote, he said, "Guys and gals, I'm coming out with a book that's going to talk about why so many A-level students in high school and college work for bosses who actually were B and C-level students." And then he introduced us to his model of emotional and social intelligence. And again, the, the, the curiosity peaked. I continued my work as a high school principal and then in a consultant, consultant role and just found that these skills were ones with which I resonated, ones that I know were making my, or offering my life an opportunity to uh, maximize and succeed. And, and since that day in 1994, uh, I said, you know what, this is the work, this is the passion, this is the language I want to be studying, researching, and more importantly, sharing and teaching with the greater leadership community of our world. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating, uh, that's fascinating insight there. And, and why do you think that some people have more of a... Uh, 
predilection towards emotional intelligence than others? Great question. It really, it, for me, it's, you know, people look at the conversation can turn to nature versus nurture. What I look at is experience and opportunity. I look at the environments in which we have lived, experienced. Uh, when I do work, as you know, in the Middle East, like you do, the environment certainly is different there. When we're working with different people of different faiths, beliefs, nationality, races, creed, and colors, the environment and what we experience greatly influences our behavior. And I often say this, and I am from Vermont, and so I start with mood, energy, attitude, like a virus is contagious. And we look at that as a leadership contagion. That's often the first gauntlet I will put to a leader, say, what type of leadership environment do you offer those you lead, love, and serve? And so coming back to that, I truly believe it's the environment and our life experiences that offer us the opportunity to succeed and fail and, and change in various ways by the healthy functioning or lack of functioning of the emotional and social skills that are so critical to our health and happiness. Yeah, that's... that's so as you look at schools since you were a, uh, you know, a principal, yeah. what is it about the way we teach people that does not necessarily create that type of environment that offers for people to lead to 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 learn to love to you know to succeed yeah absolutely and again uh, dr sharkey i'm i'm going to come from my own personal lens and so it will be somewhat subjective I haven't continued my research on the environment of schools but there is the word again the environment of schools when we look at it from an anthropological standpoint man meaning the collective men and women of the world, we weren't meant to sit. We, weren't, we were meant to explore. We were meant to find sand and figure out how to change based on sand being presented, mountains, vegetation. We were meant to adapt to our environments. And when we place both in private parochial, excuse me, private parochial and in public school setting, we put these, if you will, I call them primates, these young men and women who are going through primal experiences, especially in high school. That is my lens. And we look at them and we look at the neurological and hormonal, psychological, physiological, anatomical changes that are occurring. Their bodies themselves are under such pressures and demands that I believe the, the, the greater practitioner with no malice in his or her heart often forgets that they are they are under the, the emotional and social challenge. Their students, their pupils, um, their charges are under an, an, an incredible emotional and social challenge of change that we often try to teach, if I may, to the prefrontal cortex when we have children who literally, with their primal brain, are in classrooms sitting, simply trying to survive. Right, exactly. Uh, 30 minutes to break, Bob, so give me one final little thought here and, and uh, stay with us because we're going to be continuing to talk about what emotional intelligence really is and how it applies at the, at the leadership level, family, parenting, which Bob is so good at talking about all of those. So one final thought here before break. Yes, from me. Uh, one final thought is emotional intelligence, in, in, in short, what we can look at is 
be, be curious about humanity. We are so quick to judge. We are so quick to put a label. We are so often quick to use our past experience to label and predict our, our future. As I always say, you know, before I become furious, let's be curious. And, and it comes back to Shakespeare, if you will. Mm-hmm. To this above all, above all else, yep. to thine own self be true. Yep, I love that. Thank you. Stay with us. We're with Bob Anderson, and we're going to be talking really more about the ins and outs of emotional intelligence, a critical skill for leaders today. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I am your host of iLead, the leadership connection. And with me today is Bob Anderson, an expert in emotional intelligence, Um, has just done some phenomenal work. We're having a conversation about what it is, uh, how you develop it, 
And um, so with that, I'm going to ask Bob, how do, you, how do you define emotional intelligence? What, what is it really from your perspective? You talked a little bit before we broke, um, you know, that it's, it's really uh, being curious about humanity, and, which I totally agree. But g- give me a, a – how does somebody know whether they have it? How, how do you define it? Absolutely wonderful question. And if you and I were to Google emotional intelligence, we would get, we could absolutely, on, on any given day, get upwards over millions of hits. And I'm going to tailor it really specifically to the work that I do that's based on um, Dr. Reuven Baron's um, lens of emotional intelligence and that of the work of Drs. Mayer, Salve, and Caruso, friends of ours at Yale University. Emotional intelligence, as I'm defining and working with you today, Dr. Sharkey, is our ability to do five big things that eventually have sub-skills. But the big five are our ability to perceive ourselves. As you know, often our greatest critic is ourselves, and we know that misery loves company. So our own self-perception, our self-regard, our self-actualization. And then we look at our ability to be emotionally self-expressive both in body and in word. And so we look at skills, um, one, assertiveness. We look at independence, the ability to be self-directed and self-reliant, and amongst others. And then, as you were talking earlier to introducing today's show, a lot of what you talked about was relationships. So we look at the ability to establish and maintain mutually benefiting relationships with skills like social responsibility and empathy. And then we go on to look at a decision-making composite, which doesn't look at our analytical skills. It looks at the skills like impulse controls and reality testing so that when emotions are present within ourselves and others, how do we handle and manage that? And then ultimately we look at and say, well, how do we handle stress, stress tolerance, skills like optimism and others come into play in how we handle the realities of our day, what I call the pressures and demands, our leading challenges, if you will, in our day. So again, self-perception, self-expression, interpersonal decision-making, and stress uh, management. Those are the big five composites that we look at when we talk about emotional intelligence. So let me ask you this, Bob. I mean, everybody's lost their temper, right, at some particular point in time. Just and, today. you know, that goes back right. to, you know, how do we handle stre- stress and pressure and all of that? Yes. How, what do you say to people when that happens? How, how do they handle that? What should they do? Yeah, when we, so when we, when we have, quote, unquote, lost it, when we were, have become furious without being curious, those moments that we do something or say something after which we go, what was I thinking? Why did I say that? What did I do? I just want to get home and say I'm sorry or apologize somewhere. Here's what's happening. Often we in the North American workplace are, are not well rested, not well hydrated, and obviously not well fed at times. And we look at those pieces of interference that put us, if you will, in survival mode. And so when we're in survival mode, we are impulse control. In other words, our ability to resist the temptation to say or act or do something is, is, is diminished, almost decimated, if you will, literally down to one-tenth of its functioning. Our ability to look at reality, to be objective, to, to gain a perspective is reduced. And as we look at that, as we look at that, oh, I became upset, irritated, annoyed, it's probably because we are blocked from getting something 
And that block from getting something in a big picture is the universe, one of the six mm-hmm. universal emotions, which is called, in this case, anger. I am blocked from getting something. And so if we are on the fringe of frustration, annoyance, being upset, and this is coming from the work of Drs. Mayer, Salve, and Caruso. Again, I'm not a researcher. I'm an applied uh, researcher, if you will, for lack of a better term. But when those moments happen, when people do get upset, usually reality testing, impulse control are low, um, not functioning well. Uh, we're looking you know, always to find the should. Well, this should have happened, should not have happened. And it happens in our primal brain, that reptilian brain, that old brain, that literally its job is to keep ourselves alive so that we can continue the species of our world. And so often, if you're looking for a consultative answer, the simple pace, and, and cardiologists do this, and the best concert um, pianists I know are, are taught, and golfers are taught, and people are taught, and parents are taught to take that classic breath so that we can access yeah. the rational part of our brain. And I know you know that and teach that well, too. So, great question. Don't always do it well, though. Don't always you know, personally do it well. As we say, Dr. Sharkey, intellectually simple with our work, yet often, yes. beha- oftentimes absolutely behaviorally complex. Yeah, no question about it. It sounds simple on the surface, <laughs> and it's very difficult to do in reality, yes, as ma'am. we both know and we all, we all know. And, um, you know, that's why our work is so... Uh, interesting and challenging. So tell me from a leadership perspective, Bob, how does all this apply to leadership? Um, And you also make the great relationship to family and parenting. Can can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. And and if I may, as you know, and have you heard one of the, one of the many things that I will start when I, I talk to anyone is, you know, these are the skills that we use with the people that we lead, love, and serve. As you know, and as you've seen as we've worked together, we hear the term servant-oriented leadership in service to others and coming back to those we lead, love, and serve. And we look at the emotional contagion, regardless of the mood that I may be in. Am I aware of that? And am I aware of how it influences others? Right? It could be Linda asks Bob, Bob, how are you? And I do the pedantic, fine. Well, maybe the environment is not there. And when I make that leap of leaders to parents, well, parents are the most important leaders we have in any society. And you can quote me on that one. Whether we're working with Maasai warriors in East Africa or in Down Under in Canberra, the capital of Australia, or you and I are in Connecticut working together, it, the parents that are in our presence are leading families. And their emotional contagion pre-departure for work, upon a return for work, and when we lay our heads down on our respective beds in our homes, those key emotional contagions set the context for whether they awake and live in thrive mode, what can be mode, or whether they live and lead and work and serve in survival mode, make it through the day mode. And as you and I travel the world offering our take on leaders and leadership and relationships, what we see, and I believe you see it, Dr. Sharkey, correct me if I'm wrong, we see all too often not just employees um, 
being in survival mode, but we see leaders under duress and stress who, while they are extremely intelligent and have a high business and acumen, the reality is they sometimes are in survival mode. I mean, I came home from work just a few days ago and went, phew, made it through that day. And I knew right then and there, I needed to change. I needed to be more cognizant, more cognitive of my leadership influence, my emotional contagion, as I presented myself to my loving wife and my two darling teenagers that are uh, offering me many leadership challenges in my life. <laughs> I'm sure they are. You know, I started the show, uh, Bob, and we, we didn't talk about this, but I would be very interested in your take because of what you no. just said, you know, the emotional contagion, uh, the survival mode. Um, how do you think this whole notion, or do you have a perspective, I'm sure you do, on performance management and what that does, how that helps or hinders yeah, an organization? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was a great... I, 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 I believe I knew we were taking this when you were giving that as a part of the segue, looking at performance management. Depending on the culture, uh, where we're from, whether it could be a Pacific Rim-based culture, a Middle East culture, uh, it could be a, uh, a European, a, a UK culture, American culture, North American culture, depending on how we value performance reviews? Are they numeric in their behavior? Are they tied into our performance when it re- as it relates to our remuneration, our fiscal compensation? I look at that, and in, if in any performance review we haven't talked about behavior, and if we're not setting expectations on behavior, on and how people show up, act in, in the various environs of our workday, um, I think we'd be remiss. And um, we'd be remiss to, yeah. do, to say, you know, I need our salespeople when they are in this international realm to demonstrate empathy. And then there's opportunity to practice that, opportunity to practice the skill, demonstrate the skill. And in some cultures, empathy may not be what you need. We might need to use the paradoxical skill of assertiveness. And so all too often, these skills that you and I believe in and talk about, which are I, I believe, misperceived as soft skills. These are the, the neurologically hard skills, the emotional skills that really make and move organizations, cultures, families, in my humble opinion, forward. Yeah, we're up on break, and I couldn't agree with you. I could not agree with you more. And it goes back to your initial point. You know, you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't connect with others, you can't create an environment you can't show love, service, you know, yeah. what, what's it all mean? So Literally, we're coming up on break. Stay that. with us. We're going to be talking more with uh, Bob Anderson, and we're going to be talking about some of the biggest challenges and how do you go into untapping your emotional intelligence. Stay with us. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. 
Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of iLead, the Leadership Connection. And with me is Bob Anderson. And we're having a really lively discussion around the role of emotional intelligence in creating an environment where people can survive, thrive, not survive. And uh, Bob was giving a story of, you know, you come, come home and, and you, we've all been there. You know, you come home from a, a day at work and, or wherever you've been and you say, oh, thank goodness I got through that. You know, who wants to spend the rest of your working years in that kind of situation? Emotional contagion is much more exciting. So, Bob, I wanted to ask you, what has been the biggest challenge uh, in you getting people to untap their emotional intelligence? Uh, I I giggle because I'm thinking of a conversation I had with a a former Army officer friend of mine who, when we became uh, civilians in in the civilian work market, said, my nickname is Ando, and said, Ando, I don't care about people's emotions and their behaviors. I care about results. And I looked at him and said, you must not care about results enough because it is those people who you lead, love, and serve who are going to provide the results that are ultimately going to move you forward in your career. And so we had a, a lively conversation. And often the, the reticence is, is because um, they're painful, that these skills literally, when they are malfunctioning, cause pain and kind of like the smoker who wants to say, hey, I'm fine, it's all good. I've smoked for 20 years, my grandfather smoked for 40 years, and none of us have cancer. 
It is really the reality testing of, hey, how is that working for you? I had a person the other day, a chief executive, no less, who said, you know, Bob, I don't care about caring. And I thought to myself, how? And I said to him, how's that working for you? He goes, well, if you ask my wife, not so well. If you ask my clients, yeah. maybe okay. <laughs> if you ask my, you know, if you ask my general manager, she would say not so well. And I said, okay, I'd rather not have you change through crisis, meaning your wife leaves you, your GM leaves you, the emotional switching costs are not enough, and they're like, we're out of here. And so the real piece of it, Dr. Sharkey, you know this from your work, is that it's not always easy information to hear because the mirror yes. is going to be closer than perhaps these leaders want to have it. And, you know, they've, they've gotten to a highly successful point, and that's the other factor. You know, right. I mean, Marshall Goldsmith, colleague that you know, too, will uh-huh. often say, you know, highly successful people, they get there, and to have that confrontation of, you know, who they are, it's like, why change? Right. But they're not happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm professionally successful, whatever that might be defined, but yet I am, I am not a, yeah, I am truly not a happy satisfied human being, which then influences whom? The people they love, lead, and serve. Right, exactly. And the people that, that uh, exactly. So what has been the biggest mistake? And I love that question. How are things working for you? It's a great question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, obviously I say it facetiously, and I say it to inspire a, a, almost a primal reaction through which then we take that information, and now we start the conversation. You know, what skills yeah. do we need to focus on? Right, right, right. I can't tell you how many leaders I've had say, all I care about is results. That's it. And uh, the story was told about this one leader that I was working with, and he pounded the table and he said, all I care about is results. And he was mad at somebody across from him, and he tipped the table over. And do you know that story was tweeted, sent out all over the company? Unbelievable. Yeah. So... It's, it's sad, actually. What is, uh, from your point of view, what, what are some of the biggest mistakes uh, that, that you've seen in using, assessing, and developing emotional intelligence? Yeah, there's, there's, there's many. The mistakes in assessing it are when practitioners use models and use um, assessments, tests, and quizzes that aren't psychometrically validated, they're not scientifically validated. The American Psychological Association, in the case of North America Workplace, hasn't deemed them perhaps, you know, applicable, whether in a clinical setting, a development setting. Um, you and I could use, um, could use a form of research, create our, our own test group, maybe 45, 75 people we bring together, we calculate the results, and now we have you know, through a survey um, web link, uh, our own assessment. It's a Sharkey Anderson emotional intelligence test. Okay, well, that's really not a sampling size. And so the ones that I look at and the ones that I use and I'm certified in are the Mayor Salve Caruso emotional intelligence test, the MHS, Great the, test. formerly the Baron emotional coaching inventory 2.0, and then the Hay model, yep. which was really the... Yep you will, the, the, the breakthrough model in the mid-90s when Dr. Goldman came out and pushed out 
EQ being a better predictive index than IQ. And so I always look at it from, yeah. you know, what, what, what are the scientists, what are the true researchers saying that are validated? I want to use ones that can be used in a clinical setting. Of course, our work we're not doing in a clinical setting. I, I just, I'm always concerned that there are, you know, people, for lack of a better term, going rogue on us out there. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that that's very important to me, too. I, I don't think we use enough science and research and, you know, anybody comes up with their own little, you know, they interviewed 50 people and, you know, here are the themes that came out of it. And all of a sudden you've got a 360 or something like that. Yeah, and, well, you know, yeah, well, you might, but, you, might. you know, what's it going to do for you? <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're fortunate that we have great relationships with the authors of those assessments and are very fortunate they have entrusted us to use that intimately in the work that we use with C-level executives and people all around the world. Yeah, yeah. What advice do you have uh, for people in developing their emotional intelligence? Absolutely. Um, Wonderful, no doubt, great question at this time in our conversation. The first thing is to take a step back. Um, Look at the pressures and demands that you have coming in the next 60, 90, 180 days. Think to yourself, what, what type of skills, what type of behavior do I need? I, I often liken the skills, Dr. Sharkey, that I teach and preach, like oh, gears on a bicycle. You're getting ready to go up that hill. Which gears do I need to be thinking about? I'm going down the hill. Which gears? Or, or I used to live in the, the beautiful city or, if you will, village of Pebble Beach, California, many golf courses. I also liken these skills to golf clubs in a bag, depending on where the ball lies and which course I'm playing. Yeah, great analogy. Yeah, I need to have various clubs prepared. But the first thing has to be a self-awareness piece. Uh, you know this, and you've heard me say it. I often talk about the face. I didn't know I make a face when certain people come into my home. <laughs> right? Well, what do you mean I make the face? Yeah, oh, now I realize I use the person, in this case my children, to say, Hey, when this person comes in, what face do I make? I wasn't aware of that. So self-awareness first is the key. And then we have to look at what pain, what interference do we want to take out of our life? What reduction of interference do we want to have so that we can maximize the talents, the gifts we have been blessed with, and then increase our performance, whether as a, a partner, a spouse, a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, leader, coach, teacher, whatever your multitude of roles are. You know, again, I come back to Shakespeare, this above all else to thine own self be true. So emotional intelligence first starts with self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And and you use your psychometric instruments to, uh, you know, help people uncover that, Correct. Absolutely, and you've heard me say it time and again, Dr. Sharkey, we use those diagnostic um, instruments to do one thing, to provide our valued clients and us one thing and one thing only, information. I say it all the time, it's just information. And the beauty of the assessments quiver that we use is that these are are point-in-time environmentally influenced pieces of information that when we choose to work on, regardless of our nature versus nurture conversation, we can, when we choose to focus them, work on them, prepare ourselves for the marathon of life, 
we can absolutely improve our skills. Yeah, I love that. The marathon of life, it certainly is. That's for sure. That's and right. so so tell me, Bob, you know, we're going to be coming up and break in, in a minute, but give give me, uh, so I'm going to, you just have like 30 seconds, but yes. how do you work with people? Uh, you, you know, you do the assessment, self-respection, but tell me a little bit about your practice and how you work with people on their emotional yeah, intelligence. Yeah, our practice is in, in, in three classic pieces. We um, speak to CEO groups and to audiences all around the world. We're coming up on a, on a big UK uh, swing here in May and June. And then we spurn the, the, the curiosity of what current level is my emotional and social functioning, and then we offer an assessment, we diagnose it, get that information, and then we either work individually or collectively, teams, leader teams, executive teams, manufacturing teams, you name it, and we come together and work on the individual and collective emotional and social functioning to reduce interference and increase performance. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely great. Um, but you have a whole practice around this. Your, your wife does the same thing, too, correct? She is. She is really the... Uh, uh, just a rock star in the world of emotional and social intelligence. She's a dynamic presenter, um, has uh, presented, gosh, upwards of a thousand times uh, to chief executives all around North America. Wow. Well, we're at break, so stay with us. We're talking to Bob Anderson and Bob, stay on. We did get a, uh email in from Vivian. Somebody must have been listening from Pebble Beach for you. So from uh, Pebble Beach, uh, she has a question, and, and uh, so we want to answer the question and then talk about our next show. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
you are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and thank you for staying with me. With me today is uh, Bob Anderson, a leading expert on emotional intelligence who has a thriving consulting practice, which frankly I think is one of the best on this topic, uh, works with leaders at all levels all around the world. And uh, I've seen Bob in action, actually, and I'm very, very impressed. So I asked him to stay on because we have a question that came in from Vivian uh, in Pebble Beach. And what she wanted to know is, and I want to know the answer to this question, too, Bob, from your experience. What skill is most lacking and would really make a difference if an organization had it from an emotional perspective? Uh, intelligence perspective what yeah. do you see most lacking yeah i, I there, there's um unfortunately uh but yet fortunately there are a few of them and the one that comes immediately to mind and thanks Vivian, for the call and i hope the beautiful environs of uh, pebble beach are treating you well the the first one that comes up to me is reality testing the ability to really maintain a perspective on what is what was and what can be and as we look at one of the most competitive generations um, that we've had in terms of our leaders in 100 years, I look at and have a concern of, you know, from a parenting aspect as well, two parents, our parents really keeping it, for lack of a better term, are they keeping it real? So the balance of optimism and reality testing. And then I also look at, um, in the workplace, I have a concern that empathy, at least intellectually, being empathic is is really at a tipping point as we look at assertiveness. People uh, being able to tell themselves, tell people what they feel, think, and need. You know, if I have the floor, therefore I can tell people what to do and what not to do. Where ultimately, we want to have people. We want to feel understood and appreciated, whether we are on the floor making something or on a phone selling something or servicing somebody or on a plane or. At a meal, we ultimately, you know this from your travel abroad, that when our clients feel understood and appreciated because of the way we treat them and lead them in our work, they call us back. And so I, I have those yeah. concerns of reality testing and of the ability to be empathic, understand and appreciate without judgment the feelings, thoughts, and behaviors, again, of those people we lead, love, and serve. Yeah. And, you know, you're absolutely right. You, you know, you don't see uh, a lot of that. Um, you don't see people really, you know, testing the reality and, and, and sharing the emotion behind a person, personal circumstance and having empathy for what's going through. I, I do say that if people spent more time building those kinds of relationships, that there oh. would be less bias in the yeah, world and that we would appreciate people for who they are, and then we wouldn't be saying, well, why don't you hire that woman or why don't you do that? Because we'd strip away some of those sort of false biases that we have about people. So 
Thank you for a great answer, Bob. I, I really Dr. appreciate it. And thank you for being with me today. It was great, and I look forward to doing more work with you and uh, doing more stuff in uh, the Middle East and around the world. Um, I think you have a message that uh, really needs to be carried carried forward. So I'd like to talk about next week's show. Um, I have uh, Jim Cousins, who is coming up. Uh, and then I also have Walter McFarland. And Walter McFarland uh, has done a lot of work around change management, change leadership in the global environment. Um, he has uh, written a new recent book. You'll see a, a pattern here um, uh, that I, I like people who have put their thoughts on paper and are willing to share it uh, with others. Um, after that, we have Lisa... McLeod, who is uh, going to be talking about purpose, noble purpose. And she has really coined that phrase. And it's a very interesting story that she tells about how purpose and having your clear purpose is so important. I think it links together with what Walter McFarland is going to be talking about in terms of change, and particularly in the global perspective, that people will follow you if they understand purpose and if they understand your purpose and you can empathize with them and connect with their purpose and you can make those dots resonate for people so that they want to follow you uh, and they want to be involved and they want to be engaged. And then adding that word noble purpose, you know, because some of us have purposes. Some of us don't even really think about it, to be honest with you. You ask some leaders, what's your purpose? You know, and they'll give you some textbook, something or other, or something that they think should be important. But they really don't give you that deep down, self-reflected view of why they're really doing something and what really makes it noble and meaningful for them. And that's what Lisa helps people get at, which is what I love uh, so much about her. Uh, I do want to also say that our show on the 7th, we had, and you should go back and listen to it, Jim Cousins. Uh He is the award-winning author and best-selling author of the Leadership Challenge. And, you know, I had him on last week because I was so resonated with him when I was getting my PhD. I had never met him, actually, but I read his books. And his books and some of the work that he did was what really helped me, little old me, who was still just graduating from my PhD, uh, to get the job with GE as head of leadership and executive development worldwide. So I've always been thankful for him. Please listen to that show. And then remember, month of June is our Neuroscience Month. Uh, We're going to be doing a deep dive series around the impact of neuroscience, what we've learned about neuroscience, and, and leadership and how you can begin to develop parts of your brain, as Bob called it, primal to frontal cortex, to where you're really developing that emotional side of your brain. So thank you very much for being with me. I look forward to having you on my upcoming shows, and much gratitude to my friend Bob Anderson. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 
5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.